0: Fierce Women Writing is a partner of Terra Preta Review, which exists to unearth phenomenal writing and art by folks at all stages of their careers. Terra Preta is drawn to writing and art that grows from the trash heap of life, and they're especially interested in work by members of marginalized communities. To read their first issue, and to submit work for consideration, visit Terrapretareview.org Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast Where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Emily Hashimoto. Emily Hashimoto is a writer from the suburbs of New Jersey. Her first novel, A World Between, follows two queer women of color over the course of 13 years as they grow away from and toward each other. Her nonfiction writing has appeared in The Rumpus and Bitch Magazine, and she's received fellowships from Vona and Queer Art. Here's Emily Hashimoto with a reading from her brand new novel that just came out this week, A World Between. Eleanor was
1: rushing around, hiding straight papers and laundry before Lena arrived. They had both been caught up in homework and papers and tests, tabling to promote the Women's Center and pre-med society meetings, so there had not been time after that night when they'd kissed, when maybe something more had been interrupted. But that night, it would just be them watching a movie together in Eleanor's dorm room, really an excuse to be in the dark in proximity to a bed. The knock sounded as Eleanor was still dressing, hopping around on one foot to tug on her second sock, flushed as she answered the door. Hiya, she said cheerfully. Lena held up a DVD, Kubikushi Kubigam, depicting six attractive Indian people and a quote on the cover. It's all about loving your parents, Eleanor read aloud from the case, then looked up at Lena. Is it? Oh yeah, that's totally what the movie's about. Hell, that's what being Indian is about. She leaned against the doorframe. Can I come in? Her smile was teasing, her eyes bright and hooded. There wasn't any question she could pose to which Eleanor would say no. The movie, promised by the DVD packaging to be 210 minutes long, was not a strong preamble to making out. It was family drama with sweeping musical numbers, featuring disapproving parents and sibling relationships and, inexplicably, pyramids. The movie was engrossing and Lena was laser focused on it, despite it being her fourth viewing, and Eleanor could not find the right moment to kiss her, so she settled in for the long haul, with their heads together and shoulders knocking, bodies extending towards the end of the bed. Eventually, two hours in, Eleanor yawned. Should we turn it off, Lena murmured. Eleanor yawned again but said no, repositioning their bodies so that she was spooning Lena. Is this okay, Eleanor asked into Lena's hair. She held her breath. Yeah, Lena said with a gentle sigh. Eleanor had been lost to sleep minutes before, but now she was keyed up, her breath coming in and out in stuttered rhythm. She stroked one hand over Lena's hip. Lena let out a little sigh, but Eleanor didn't know if it was because of the way Eleanor was touching her or because she was rolling into sleep. She knew soon enough when Lena spun in her arms, awake. It was dark in the room, but she could see Lena's face well enough. Some shades of her expression, the outline of her nose and cheekbones, so beautiful. So close, no space between them. Lena combed a hand through Eleanor's hair, then took a deep breath, sliding in to kiss her. Lena kissed her gently, deeply, and held her close like she was something precious. I could get used to this, Lena whispered against her lips. Eleanor crushed their mouths back together. She reached out to graze her fingers against Lena's breast, and Lena cracked up, wrenching away, putting a trench between them. Sorry, I'm ticklish. Her laughter felt like a dismissal, but Eleanor wouldn't be deterred. That's okay. She kissed Lena again, slipping her tongue between Lena's lips. It felt so good, intimate, like a preamble to the rest of the night. Eleanor slipped her hand down into the tight space between their bodies, running lower between Lena's legs. Eleanor's fingers touching the hardy cotton of Lena's sweatpants. She imagined pulling them down, pulling off Lena's t-shirt, getting them both naked under the covers, together, alone, skin against skin, pressing into each other. Lena moved Eleanor's hand, halting them again. She put as much space between them as she could on the narrow bed and then lifted Eleanor's hand to her lips, kissing her knuckles one by one. I like kissing you, she said quietly, her breath hot on Eleanor's skin, cooling once it disappeared. Me too, Eleanor whispered back. Can we just kiss? Eleanor shrank back against the wall. Her mind flashed through various scenarios. One, Lena liked Eleanor. She had said as much, but upon reflection, with her lips together, Lena just wasn't into her. Two, Lena had never had sex, not even with her ex. No one had ever touched her breast or clit or anywhere of note. Maybe an elbow or knee, but that was it. This was her first time, and she wasn't ready. Three, Eleanor was terrible at sex. She was awful, the worst ever. It was so bad that Lena laughed at her, and maybe there was even more laughter stored up. Nothing had even begun, and yet that's how bad. Why? Why? Just kiss. Lena buried her face into Eleanor's shoulder and mumbled incoherently. Say that again? Lena lifted her face an inch off of Eleanor's shoulder. I have my period, which isn't all that alluring to say, but then again, neither is having your period. I'm sorry. Eleanor had to catch up, which she did, slowly. Her body in the throes of desire, her brain in analytical mode, then this, a real barrier between them that was elemental and no one's fault. She giggled, relieved, running a hand up and down Lena's back. I went to some real weird places. I'm glad this is all... Hey, are you okay? Aki? Do you need anything? Lena leaned back and assessed Eleanor with a look of wonderment. I've never dated a guy, but this is why I can't. Women, women get it. I'm okay, but thank you for asking. She grabbed Eleanor's hand tightly. I could, you know... With her hands still locked, she traced the top of Eleanor's pants. Eleanor understood what she was being offered sex and the smashing uplift of passion and it made her go hazy to consider it as she played out the hands and moans and mouths it wasn't what she wanted not tonight when they had sex for the first time she wanted to undo all of lena's snaps and buckles to be bare to each other in the same way and at the same time there would be no enjoying herself while lena had cramps so they kissed and kissed and kissed she could barely contain her desire for lena's touch but she could wait they had time.
0: Thank you for sharing that excerpt from A World Between. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Emily, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? That's
1: a great question. Um, so I, uh, I I, have a day job. I live in New York City and I have a toddler. So there aren't many ideal conditions um, that I can really access. But I would say um, if I close my eyes and think about it, it's being able to sit at my at my uh, at my writing desk in in my bedroom i have a great view um from from there and so i think to be able to kind of sit and hunker down and and really focus um that is definitely ideal
0: why do you write i write because
1: i have things to say and i think that was a surprise for me i think i spent a long time um Thinking about how to be of service in the world, and um, while I value that in in my day job, and and, and I work at a nonprofit, um, I think there's this other thing that writing can can do. Writing can um, writing communication of any kind. I think anything creative. I think it just it brings people in in a different way. Um, you know, I certainly never um, uh, want to proselytize on any issue or, or, or sort of on a, about any community. But I think for me, being able to focus on queer people, being able to focus on people of color, telling these stories is just this other way of being of service in the world, being an advocate, of being an activist. And that is definitely one place that I enter writing.
0: What are your best writing tips? One thing
1: I try to continually tell myself is how important it is to silence your inner critic. And it's certainly easier said than done, but it is something that I do try to practice and and tell people as much as possible um, to to just be able to just show up at the page you're typing or writing with a pen. um, And just to go, you know, I think a lot about the artist's way I did that many years ago. And I think um, trying to get to that space of, I'm just going to show up. I think I, I think I've had to continually (laughs) teach myself that lesson. Something I think I have to do all the time really is, is just um, say, here I am and let's go. And I can always edit this. I can always delete this. I think that's something um, that I have to be reminded of time and time again, because I think sometimes I, I sort of feel like what I'm producing has to be, Excellent, all the time, and I think sometimes it's just again, it's just about showing up. Um, I think that that's really key, and I think something that I, I think other ways that I sort of access writing and try to try to really focus um, are digging into music. So I think in 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 my in my debut novel, A World Between, one thing that I did was created playlists for each part of it. And so when I needed to get into that mode, I, I was all of a sudden in that character's head. This is the music they would have been listening to in 2010. And I think, you know, that sort of thing really helped me um, sink in, you know, as I said, toddler subways, etc. I think, you know, being able to, to have a pathway in um, that just kind of, you know, would would send me there quickly, I think was, um, was a really huge help. And I think the other thing about writing, um, writing tips, I think just doing that planning and research, I think sometimes maybe it's not the moment to write. Maybe it's the moment that you need to do something else, but just to do something writing adjacent. So I would, you know, maybe I would take, um, you know, take the subway uh, somewhere in the city to where one of the characters were. Or I actually, I, I a part of the book takes place in San Francisco. I was lucky to travel there. Um, to see some friends and I sort of spent that time, a part of the time there, you know, walking the streets where my characters would eventually walk. And I think just um, that submersion. So whether it's that or researching, you know, um, I did a lot of research into what classes they would have taken in their master's program, that sort of thing. and getting in, in in that way, I think was also super helpful to just kind of get into those details and allowed me to kind of connect the dots from there.
0: I think that bit about creating the playlist is really brilliant. I've never heard that before, and I can't wait to use that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's
1: it's one of those things. I think it. I, I I think I just need a distraction sometimes when I'm writing. Sort of a distraction on one level. I think it's sort of that thing. I'm like my inner kid. I'm holding something shiny. And sort of like dangling it at myself. (laughs) So then I think it sort of lets me focus on, you know, on the, on the text, on the characters.
0: What are your suggestions for someone trying to overcome a block? It's so
1: hard. I think it can be so hard. I think patience is probably the beginning of it. um, Because sometimes we're blocked for so many different reasons, you know, the circumstances of our lives. And and, I mean, this moment, you know, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my second book and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find it. So I think, I think I try to be patient with myself, um, that, you know, this may not be the moment I may not have the time. I may not have the energy and the mind space while we're going through so much uh, as a country, as a world. Um, and so I think I try to, try to extend myself a little, little pat on the back, um, for, for just even thinking about it maybe i'm not even writing but i'm just in the shower and thinking about my characters i think just just that little bit just i think staying as much as possible in in that project even if it's just that little bit i think is helpful and then like i said i think it's um you know if if it is possible to to have some time to spend on writing i think the ability to again just show up you know and and say okay here i am and, and just try it you know just sort of just start typing even if it's maybe not relate not related um, to exactly what what the project is, but something just showing up for it, I think, and saying, let me at least try to take this step into my project. Um, even if it is a small, even if it is a small one, and even if it doesn't go anywhere, and again, I think I loop back to that patience piece again. You know, if you're if you're having that trouble, you try it doesn't work. I think again, little patience, a little bit of grace, um, because I think if you go the opposite way and you're hard on yourself, then I think it makes it even harder. You know, to access what you need to access.
0: What about editing and revising tips?
1: For me getting really comfortable with editing and revising uh, was such a process. I think for anyone else who sort of is, is struggling, I think it's, I think a little bit of ego checking. (laughs) I think a little bit of that um, to just be able to say, uh, to remind yourself, I think of what the goal is that you are looking for this, this, you know, wonderful, cohesive piece of you in the world. And to get there, it is a, it can be painful, I think, to really, to really, um, to, to really do that work to get there. And so I think being able to say, you know, um, this is me out there in the world. And as, as, as much as I want to kind of present exactly as I want it, um, that you have to be open. And here I'm, I'm thinking about when you get feedback. So if you're in a writing group or you're getting feedback from a teacher, instructor, and I think kind of working through that um, to just remember that there's other voices that um, may know, not more than you certainly, you know, you know the universe you're you're working on and creating, whatever that might be. Um, but that I think input from folks who have you know, read things you haven't lived, had lived experiences that you haven't had. I think people do have a lot to offer. Um, So I think being able to sort of take that, hear that, swallow it and kind of, and move, move through it, I think, um, to a more comfortable place. And I think it's also even just getting comfortable with it. I think, again, you know, I mentioned before, I, I, I used to be in this mode when I was younger and writing, I think, Wanting it just to come out perfect, and I and I know now for sure, having gone through the process with my book, countless revisions, revisions on top of revisions, revisions of the revisions. I think I I had to become so comfortable with that, and I and again I think it's in part again it's that ego, but it is also just sort of um, just I think just the practice of it, you know, getting comfortable with the idea of it. I think um, so. So for example, I think. Sharing with a friend, uh, even if it's not a writer friend, or if it is a writer friend, you know all the better. But just kind of getting feedback from people, and maybe asking for different kinds of feedback too. I've had people do line edits of my work. People have said, you know, they've given me two paragraphs of here are some things I think you might want to consider. Um, But I think just really sharing it out there and uh, and trying to learn from it. That I guess is the other pieces. I think that through editing and revision you can learn so much. I learned, I learned, uh, you know, I, I don't have my MFA, but I feel like I got it in the process of writing this book because of just all that I learned from every reader that I had. There was so much uh, to be gleaned from the experience.
0: Can you estimate your submission to publication ratio? Um, That's a great question.
1: I, I guess I'll start here. Um I I I feel like it's not good, really in truth. I I think um I'm thinking about sort of my submission of short stories for example, and I've never had a short story published. That's not true. I had I okay, I guess the truth is I've had one short short story published um many years ago. So that was my first outing and I I got very lucky, but uh nothing after that. And um my, my book, the process of, of my book sort of uh, coming into the world. Um, if I think about that sort of in a submit with a submission view, my agent submitted the book to, I don't even know how many houses, 20, 30. Um, it just takes one for sure, but, but passes from just so, from so many houses. Um, so I think, yeah, pretty, pretty humbling. Um, but yeah, I don't know that I have a specific number on hand, but definitely I would say uh, a lot of no's for sure.
0: Could you talk a little bit about how you met your agent? I
1: was a part of a program called Queer Art, and the program is about matching queer artists with other queer artists, so, so people who are practitioners in their different fields and my track of course was, was literature. And I was paired with Sarah Shulman, who is an amazing writer, fiction writer, um, nonfiction writer, um, truly prolific writer. Um, and she has connections all over the place. It's pretty incredible. It was incredible to sort of see it unfold in front of me to kind of see the, the behind the scenes of, of her world. And, um, when we started talking about the process, she worked with me extensively on the novel. She was of immense help. I, yeah, there's, I don't even know what to say about her. She, she's amazing. Um, so she, we started talking about, okay, what happens at the end? You know, once, once, once we have sort of a final version and she said, I have three names for you and let's start with the first one. And, and I just got super lucky. I think this connection to Sarah, I think uh, helped a bit for sure, um, but that's how I, that's how I met my agent, sort of Sarah connected us. And, um, and very I feel very lucky. Uh, his name is Robert Ginsler. He, he read the book um, and very quickly said, let's talk.
0: And that, and that was kind of it. Thank you. I think that's a piece of the process that people are always curious to hear about.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Who are some other women writers we should be reading right now?
1: One person who I am pretty appropriately obsessed with right now is Carmen Maria Machado. I loved her short story collection, *Her Body and Other Parties*, and then uh, her memoir. Her memoir. I don't know what to call it. Her memoir collection maybe is a good way to put it. Um, uh, in the Dream House, it's. Uh, about about a, a a difficult abusive partner that she had, but it's done in this way that is so artful and interesting, and I just love everything she writes. I've I've also read some of her short stories that she did for for Granta, um, and I love the way that she uses language. It's so unexpected, it's so precise, and also really accessible. I think sometimes and I know some I know that that can sort of sound not great. But I do think, to me, that's a, that's a sort of a virtue I, I love in a writer where I read on Kindle generally, and, and you know, sort of use that dictionary feature quite liberally. And I don't necessarily have to do that with her, but it's, I'm still awash in the, her use of language. It's, it's amazing. So I've, I have nothing but it. I have a million things to say about her. Uh, So I'll stop myself now, but, but so that's her. And I think the other person who I really love um, is Min Jin Lee. I just read uh, Pachinko not that long ago and I I loved it so much. I think, um, you know, I think I'm used to other truly white male writers sort of writing these epics. And I love the way that she created this family. Um, generation after generation and all the changes and, and sort of, I think, really strong characterization with the backdrop of of great um, change and and conflict, I think, sort of, you know, so that sort of takes place in Japan and, and starting... But you know, before World War II, going into World War II, after it, um, the division, the stronger division of Korea. I think it just it it went so many places. I think also the other thing that I appreciated was uh, I'm I'm a person of Japanese descent, and I'm I, there's so much I don't know. I didn't know until reading that book, and I think, like I said, I think I admire that so much in writers' this ability to sort of uh, tell the bigger story too. You know, yes, it should be well done and there should be character arcs <laughs> and all of those things. But the other piece I think is sort of talking about history and people and, and learning and empathizing. And so I'm so grateful for her work as well.
0: And where can listeners find
1: you online? I am on Twitter somewhat. So that's at Emily Hosh, H-A-S-H. And then same for in- Instagram where I feel like I am a bit more. And my website, emilyhash.com.
0: Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today, Emily. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah.
0: Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting Emily's prompt at the top of your page, and free writing whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens.
1: Consider a time you were uncomfortable or insecure. Rewrite that moment in a way that unfolds unexpectedly.
0: I just love talking to Emily Hashimoto this week. My favorite part of the interview was when she said she makes a playlist for each of her characters. I'm so excited to try that with the fiction project I'm playing around with. And then her writing prompt, to consider a time you were uncomfortable and insecure and rewrite that moment in a way that unfolds unexpectedly. I can think of a very clear moment just a couple days ago when I was feeling insecure. I'm going to rewrite that ending and see where it goes. I love when you tell me how the writing prompts have been going for you. Thanks for all the messages you're sending on Instagram and through the website. They light up my days. And if listening to the podcast has been helpful in your writing practice, become a supporter on my website. With a recurring monthly contribution of as little as $2, you can help me ensure that these interviews continue to happen. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Women Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at FierceWomenWriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.